Welcome back, friends. And before we get started, I have some coaching announcements. Now, we are going to be launching a 10-week podcast contest. That means that we're going to be giving out prizes every Friday for those who are putting in reviews and five stars and sharing. Now, make sure that you screenshot and you share with me on social media. Next thing, if you're local to Ottawa Hall, I have bike mechanical bike maintenance clinics that you're going to want to check out, learn how to patch a tire, change a flat, and then I have learned to group ride clinics. So if you're new to cycling and you're worried about how, how to bike with others and bike safely, this is a clinic for you. And then I have my online cycling skills program. The first one is a four-hour cycling skills intensive. The next one is four weeks where you work one-on-one -on -one with me. The third one is a four-video module download that you can work at your own pace. You can get all the details on my website, sylviedow.ca. Now, the last part is the fitness component. It's hard to be a well-rounded cyclist without weight training and strength training. So I have launched a cycle fitness on-demand membership, and this is for anyone, but specifically, I'm targeting those cyclists who want to be well-rounded and strong and improve their cycling and also into a, a life of longevity. Go to cyclefitness.online and take advantage of the free seven-day trial. Try it out. Check out the workouts. See what you think. Enjoy. And thanks for listening. Welcome to Secrets from the Saddle podcast. I'm Sylvie Dao, your host, fellow cyclist, bike club founder, cycling coach, bike race junkie, just truly super passionate about cycling. My journey with cycling started 20 years ago when I opened a spin studio, started a women's race team, and founded a women's only cycling club called Cycle Fit Chicks. I'm super thrilled to reveal all aspects that make the world of cycling operate. I'm so excited to be able to bring you interesting people from around the world, pro cyclists, recreational cyclists, coaches, event organizers, bike shop owners, everything and everyone you need to know or ever wondered about when it comes to cycling. I know you'll enjoy this episode. All right, everyone, welcome. I am super excited to bring my host, Craig DeGear, to the Secrets of the Sack Saddle podcast. And my name is Sylvie Deo, your host. And so, we have Craig. I just met him in my coaching course that we just completed last week. Three weeks, uh, six, 18 hours of coaching. Uh, yeah, everything about coaching. And I'm glad I took it. And I'm sure Craig is too. Good refresher. But it also gave me access to more coaches and more cycling um, well, I guess cycling coaches from around straight across Canada and actually into Europe that I'm really excited to bring to you on this podcast. Now, Craig is the CEO of Prairie Cycling Development in Saskatchewan. He's going to break that down because this has a huge title that encompasses mountain biking, road and track, and I'm sure other things as well. So welcome, Craig. I'm super excited to have you here. And we're going to get started with a couple questions. 
And then into the big questions. So first, where do you live right now? I live in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan right now. <laughs> well, I've <Yep>. just found <laughs> out that, <laughs> yeah. Okay, now, how many years, or no, yeah, how many years have you been in cycling yourself, like as started or as so, a So I've been, I guess, affiliated with cycling for the better part of 22 years now. Uh, at various levels, some years much more heavily than others. Uh, but yeah, but it feels like it's a long time when you say it that way. I know, it doesn't it? It's like, oh my God, they just start adding up. Now, what is your current position in your, in cycling or I guess within your business in, in Saskatoon? Yeah, so uh, I have my, so my company, Prairie Cycling Development, uh, is, my, is my main platform for uh, doing any kind of programs affiliated with developing the sport. Um, and typically, I, I look at it from the perspective of it's a three-pillar uh, platform with the sport on top of it, and the three pillars that I try to focus on are uh, facilities, coaching, and events there and uh my time is split mostly between a balance of uh of those or we try to any programs try to fit into one or more of those pillars that is perfect now i'm going to come back to that question um because i'm really interested in it so here's here's the big starter how did you get into cycling yourself how did you get started and you know, for seeing and, and then into building this, this business. Wow. How did I get started into cycling? That goes back a long ways. I, uh, honestly, it was uh, one year around my birthday. I saved up my birthday money and got, uh, got myself a, uh, a better bike. It was, uh, it, it had a front suspension fork on it. So it was uh, a big deal at the time. Um, and, uh, and then just, uh, did a lot of biking throughout, uh, that summer. And at some point, uh, someone showed me a pamphlet for a race at one of my local bike shops and, uh, turned out I had missed that race, but then went and found more races potentially going on and went out to one of them, enjoyed it, kept going. And I guess that's it. <laughs> kept going okay, after that. How long that, ago so. was that? That was 1998. 98. Okay. Well, I know how old I was in 98. So is it <laughs> like 25 years ago? 20 years ago? Uh, well, that's, that's about the 22 years ago. That's when oh, I okay. consider to, to be my start there. So, um, cool. yeah, I, I don't feel like I should be old enough to say that I started 22 years ago at this, but... <laughs> <laughs> So how did it progress? Like you started the racing and take us, take us so, into the, the development of, and getting into like the coaching and your business. Yeah. So the, like, obviously the first couple of years, um, especially like for me at the time I was in my early to mid teens when I started, um, but Canada games became quite a goal out of that. So 
wanting to to attend Canada Games. I was I grew up and I was living in Nova Scotia at the time, um, and uh, and yeah, there was a Canada Games coming up in 2001, and through just the general progress of that, uh, got got into uh, got into road biking with it, and uh, ended up making the Canada Games team uh, for the province in 2001. Uh, as primarily a road cyclist at the time too. So started off mountain biking, uh, but then migrated to road and through that process discovered that I, I was much better at road racing than I was at mountain biking. Um, so as much as I enjoy mountain biking, I realized as a racer, I was just better on the road. So, and then that's where my, my racing career, we'll call it from about 2001 to early 2007, uh, it focused mostly on the road, uh, migrated to track through that as well, um, and in hindsight should have done more track racing as well through that time, uh, but hindsight's 2020. So, uh, and then post 2007, kind of dabbled in a few things. Uh, I helped at the time uh, as, as an organizer for the 2007 Track Nationals. Uh, which were held in DF New Brunswick there uh, under the Atlantic Cycling Center and under Luke Arsenault. Um, and then had a lot of quiet time from, uh, call it around 2008 or so through to around 2016, 2017. So almost a decade of uh, not heavily involved. Uh, but then that's around when we moved back to Saskatchewan, uh, found myself in a situation, or moved to Saskatchewan, not back to Saskatchewan. But I found myself in a situation where I could look at trying to invest in something that um, that I really liked or really believed in um, was a, more of like a, a labor of love as opposed to just a job um, and decided to go down this route with it. So that's when I decided, OK, time to really get my coaching courses upgraded to where they should be. Um, started to look into different programs that have run in other places and started to think about how, how can you get more people into this sport and into the organized sport element of cycling. Uh, so, and then uh, working to progress that is where we get to today. I love it. So, um, all right. So there is a track in the Maritimes. There used to be a track in oh, the FU okay. Brunswick. Uh, it uh, it was there from 2001 until 20 set, 2018, I think, is when it had to come out. It just uh, it uh, the structure the structure of it was uh, was starting to reach the end of its useful life. So, and so the one the track in Sask in Saskatoon, there's a track there, or do you go? No, to, there isn't. You go to Edmonton. Uh, Edmonton would be the closest track. Um, I haven't, uh, the only track I've ridden in the, the in recent history is actually, uh, I was in London, Ontario for a coaching oh. course a couple years ago and got to, uh, got to ride Forest City there. Um, oh, and given that that was, I think that was the first time I was on a track in about 10 years as well. And I'll, uh, uh, completely pun intended, there's a steep learning curve at that track. Yeah, I, I know. I've been on that multiple <laughs> times and um, only because we go there, well, we used to, 
um, at least once a winter just to change things up. But that track is so small. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't you mind? It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a, so I had ridden many other tracks, including, well, I guess the next steepest track in Canada would be Burnaby. And I had, uh, back in the day, I had spent okay. a lot of time riding Burnaby at different times. So, uh, that uh, it, it was really just the uh, not sure, not sure how confident I should still be uh, with uh, with it. But at least like looking at the banks and stuff, it didn't didn't bother me too much. And it, once I once I got riding on it, it was actually uh, it was actually pretty good. It all came back quick. So yeah, <laughs> track is definitely something you have to like warm up to. Yeah. Like, um, I would love someday to bring a track closer to, to Saskatoon as well. Uh, if, oh. if nothing else from the, uh, the selfish uh, reason that I still own a track bike and I'd like to be able to justify why I've moved it across the country and, or around the country a couple times with me. Yeah. Well, you know what? I mean, there's discussion that, you know, just like skating rinks, there should be a track like in every major center um yeah. j just for that purpose right like you know um I want to to, say a few years ago cycling canada had a strategy around or started ooh. to develop a strategy around how to do that um for some reason 2012 to 2014 is sticking out in my mind um but i'm not sure if that's still uh if they're still active with that or not or uh or what it would take to get that reactivated but I can't imagine it'd be cost any more than putting up a skating rink, like a skating arena, you know, with multiple uh, other things to I do in it. I think it's significantly less. I think it's significantly less. So the, the building that you need, like if you're, so if you're talking about an outdoor track, um, it would be significantly less than a skating rink, than an indoor skating rink. Um, for an indoor track, the majority of the cost is affiliated with the building that it's inside. The tracks themselves, uh, relatively speaking, aren't that expensive, um, but the building uh, is. And you do need a much larger building to hold a to hold a proper sized velodrome than what a hockey rink will do. Um, so that's why Forest City is the size that it is. At, I think it's 138 meters. Um, and that's because that's what fits inside of a yeah. standard hockey rink. But, you know, if you had a bunch of those around um, and then you had like a main major one, like, you know, Milton and we got Bromont and I guess Burnaby would, no, uh, indoor, I guess Burnaby and Edmonton has an outdoor one. And then you just travel yeah, for the Calgary bigger has events. An outdoor. Oh, do they? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so now the next question is, and I know and you, I'd like you to talk a little bit about your coaching experience and, sure. you know, what's your greatest coaching moment? Because I know, I know you've talked about, um, and I want you to bring this back, is, uh, you know, working with juniors. I know that's always an experience for everybody, but... <laughs> 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 well, you know, what was your greatest moment going into that? Yeah, so I think that uh, definitely, so working with some of the juniors, uh, I think I mentioned earlier already that uh, a couple of years ago, I went as an assistant uh, to Tour of, Tour of the BTV, 
and we had a couple of riders uh, there, one of whom uh, was also a Saskatoon boy. And I had worked with him for only about four weeks before he even went to that race. Uh, but in that time, uh, he was a great kid to work with. Uh, he was a sponge. Um, and we went over uh, training stuff. We did motor pacing work. We went over uh, technical uh, abilities, where to ride on the road, what to look for, what to feel for. We practiced doing wheel changes in case he got a flat, which he did get a flat during Abitibi. And he followed the procedure to a T. I couldn't believe it. Oh, wow. And he got <laughs> back into the pack and everything exactly how it's supposed to work. And it was it was amazing just to see that, okay, like, hey, there, there's an 18-year-old that can listen and can learn. <laughs> um, and, that is a great uh, coaching moment. <laughs> yes. Uh, but to, to cap it all off, uh, that, that kid at the end of Abitibi in the last stage, uh, when he, he, in stage one, he was fighting to stay in the race because he was involved in a crash early in the race. And that was a day that they averaged almost 48 kilometers an hour. So once you were off the back and in the caravan, you could not get back. So he, he was in a small group and time trialed 100 kilometers to make it just within the time cut on day one. On the final day, uh, he got himself in a position at the final sprint and wound up 10th in the final sprint. So to go from uh, fighting for your life on day one to getting 10th at the end of the biggest race that, uh, that he might do in his career, uh, that, that was quite amazing to see. So that is a good coaching moment. Now, so do we have a worst coaching moment? Even though I gave you a couple of minutes to think about that, <laughs> you gotta yeah. have to have one. Yeah, I mean, like there's, there's always, uh, there's always things that well. Well, here's a good one. Uh, this was back in my riding days too, but on a, at a training camp where uh, we were bringing in a lot of younger riders and the older riders there, uh, which I was part of, uh, were, uh, were there to sort of like coach along in the pack and everything. And uh, th th this was one, uh, this should get a good laugh out of everyone, but we, we rolled up to a, we're, we rolled up to a red light and we're stopped at the red light and then all of a sudden I do something while I'm on my bike and in the middle of this group of young riders with one of our managers behind us, I tip over right at the, uh, the light clipped in on one side and everything. And, uh, that, that was, uh, there, there was some good embarrassment there. I, I gave, I gave our manager in the car a really good laugh about that one. And I'm sure that he was wishing that he could have gotten that on video. No, I didn't take anyone else down. I, I must've been on the outside, but, yeah, just. I think everybody who's ever biked has one of those moments because I know I do. And it was at a stop sign. It always is. You don't get clipped out right or you clip out on the wrong side and you just completely fall over. And then you get up and you like look around and then pedal a little way. <laughs> it was like, did that even happen? <laughs> I'll, I'll usually tell people that when, when you start riding clipped in, uh, count on it happening about every two to four years once you get used to your clipless pedals. 
there. Uh, every two to four years, it's going to happen. So yeah, it doesn't. Uh, nobody gets past that. That's for sure. No. Now, since you're doing so, let's go back to your uh, prairie cycling development company yeah. or business. Now, what are you kind of doing in there? Because I know that, like. I mean, I want you to name off all the associations that you're affiliated with or working with, but what are, what's, what's one of your main projects that's happening right now? Yeah, so with Prairie Cycling Development, as I mentioned before, we look, I look at it from the perspective of my three pillars, so events, coaching, and facilities. When I first started everything up, I would have I guessed that uh, coaching and events were going to be the first two to sort of take off or have opportunities with. Um, and then facilities would lag probably five years behind or so. Um, in reality, uh, the, the events have, have started up and progressed exactly how I expected. Um, coaching hasn't so much, but facilities also took off. So I'm involved with the development of a site called River Ridge Trails. Uh, which is about half an hour outside of uh, Saskatoon in a small town or near a small town called Langham. And we're developing a, a multi-use trail park there uh, to include mountain biking as one of the primary uh, activities with it. And the intent with that is to be able to also host uh, regional, provincial, and hopefully even national type Canada Cup level races uh, at this event, at this facility site. Um, and we got started on it in September there. We got our first mountain bike loop done, uh, which was, it's about a 1.8 kilometer loop uh, that we got done in about six weeks there. Uh, and uh, it still needs some more work on that loop too. Plus we want to develop many more trails in the park, but it was a great way to, uh, to get started with it there. Um, and then, of course, even just in the park space, uh, now we're working on getting winter sport integrated. So some fat biking involved, hopefully, uh, along with snowshoeing and cross-country skiing. And so I, I find myself doing work for other sports as well uh, as part of this, too. So, Well, it sounds like you're doing your job well and people want you or are bringing you in as the expert to to set this up because I mean geez if it's not needed I mean it's needed now more than ever like I don't um, it is. you know with COVID it's you know we need the um the the you know the places to go outside yep. um whether you like winter or not <laughs> like people are just like looking for something to do right um and that's yep. awesome because I know I don't know about fat biking there but fat biking is pretty big here uh you know and uh then there's the snowshoeing and cross-country skiing um it's huge here we have a dedicated fat bike club oh, oh yeah do. yeah <laughs> well we have i don't know if we have an official club here in ottawa but uh there's um there's pages and there's lots of groups so i'm not sure if there's yeah. like an official club like um but uh i'm sure it's not far away um but gravel yeah. seems to be one of the things that's really uh is that taken off yeah. in your area too 
It has, and it's a uh, gravel biking, or the the idea of gravel biking is almost golden for Saskatchewan because we have uh, it, it for road racing. It's actually hard to find loops of the right size mm-hmm. that are paved. Um, to the point that some road races even have to do uh, like turnarounds on them and U-turns uh, on them because because we just don't have sort of the layout of roads. Um, so gravel biking uh, and this concept of, yeah, gravel roads are acceptable uh, for, for a discipline of cycling is, is actually a very good opportunity out here find your gravel riders are heading into like farmers fields and down dirt roads on, on like big farms anything well, like that we, so the the layout of the roads is actually such that uh like the rural municipalities around here they mm-hmm. have a grid road network and they have easements for the grid roads and there's plenty of them that are summer summer only roads anyway so honestly the road doesn't look much more like a a path that a farmer drove his his or her tractor down and but that is technically an easement for a road so oh my gosh i'm just i'm i got some really bad i certainly wouldn't take my wife's jetta down that road uh our subaru outback or the or the truck might be might be iffy at best too so yeah no i i've I've got visuals myself (laughs) on what they look like um well that's cool because i know like around here it's it's just huge and and you try and like you try and stay true to like road and everything but you know you just feel the pull because everybody's like got multiple bikes and you know they're always doing one of everything (laughs) you're like oh my gosh all right so it's interesting if you look at the history of road bike it's not like like road biking is over a hundred years old and they didn't have not every road was paved back then i mean that's where perry roubaix comes from that it's the paving stones uh, but even outside the, the paving stones, like they used to race over a lot of dirt roads. So in my opinion, a well-maintained gravel road should be well acceptable to a, to a road biking event. Uh, I love it that the Tour de France goes over dirt roads in places now. Uh, and I think that, I think that that needs to happen more. Uh, I think that we need to open up our, our possibilities with the sport uh to include more more terrain like that so and this is coming from someone who spent a lot of time road racing on pavement and yeah i'm sure back in the day i complained about rough pavement in places oh, no too way. So. it's like uh <laughs> it's like yep. no but uh, you know i and i i agree with you like you could probably ride most of these gravel hard pack gravel with a road bike like you don't need a gravel bike it's just you know it's it's one of those things like you don't need it but maybe (laughs) it was just another balance between need and want yeah (laughs) i know yeah (laughs) that's why it's then then you're like uh (laughs) do i need another bike hanging in the garage so then this is kind of goes huh (laughs) Well, yeah, right. <laughs> You're like, then you have to ask your wife or your partner 
and uh, do I have a place big enough? And I know I started liquidating some of my bikes as my husband's like, you don't have rooms and you haven't used that in like five years. And, you know, so the first thing to go was, was my mountain bike, but yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, you get, you gotta, you gotta figure out what works for it. it know, it's going to work different for everyone. So yeah. <laughs> well, you take that money and roll it into another one. That's <laughs> newer. Exactly. Reinvestment. Um, yeah. In depreciating yeah, right. assets. Just <laughs> it in the gear pool, the pool of money. Yeah. Um, so with life balance, like I know that you have, you know, you have kids and how are they with like, are they into what you're doing? Like, how does, how do you pull the family into that? Yeah. So, um, balance is definitely tricky. Like there's a lot of pulls at times. My wife has a very demanding, uh, career as well. And I'm very thankful for that because it's a big part of what allows me to try and uh, do what I'm doing here. Um, and, uh, and then like, and, and then I have a five-year-old and a, an almost two-year-old. So okay. the almost two-year-old isn't quite, uh, isn't quite there yet. Uh, she kind of just gets dragged behind uh, in most things. We do have one of the Thule chariots, so we can uh, kind of put her in and then yeah. attach to a bike, uh, put the push bar behind it for running or uh, put the skis on it for skiing. Uh, we have a, a bunch of the different attachments and accessories to be able to, to do stuff with that. Um, but, uh, but my son, Luke, he's, uh, he he is very much into into biking. Um, he really enjoys the short track series uh, that I run, so the youth program um, or the youth and kids program. So I guess uh, that starts before before we call youth. Um, and uh, but then also like other other times, so we'll we'll take him out to some of the trails. Uh, geez, two years ago now. Uh, we went to a uh, to a race course uh, in another part of Saskatchewan, and he he rode around half of this uh, race course that was being used for Western Canada Games on his uh, on his Strider bike. So uh, there there were some other people uh, running around or riding around there pre-riding the course that were like, "You gotta keep him in cycling," and like, yeah, yeah there's some influence there, um, but. Uh, yeah, he he's quite into uh, into the sports there and into uh, into riding his bike and that. And I think that will uh, that will stay. Um, my daughter, she'll she'll probably start in next year a little bit there. Uh, we we found even with uh, with my son that uh, before before age two, they they can kind of hold the bike in that. And we we've had her on the Strider bike doing that already too. But they they just kind of stand there with their hands on the handlebars. So. <laughs> Like, I think it's like important, you know, building out those leg muscles slowly. Cause you imagine, yeah. I always thinking like when we go out and do something for a first time, like how much pain there is associated to it. You got to think that kids must go through that. Too. <laughs> well, but it's different. It's a bit, it's a bit different. So like even just in the biological development, I mean, they can, they have this energy, they can just go, 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 go. And mm -hmm. then when they crash, they crash, but they don't, uh, they, they don't, they don't have this like slow deterioration of their energy the way that we do now. Uh, they'll, they'll just keep going and going and going and going and going. And then all of a sudden they stop, they lay down and they go to sleep. So <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like my son he's like can I go run we have this kind of loop it's like a walking loop he's like 
can I go run it and go to the mailbox? I'm like, sure. <laughs> I've been tracked it. I think it's like a K and a half, but I'm like, okay. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Don't let the door hit you. <laughs> That's right. You know, whatever, just let me know. Yeah. And uh, yeah. don't lose a key on the way <laughs> or my <Yeah>. mail. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love I'm sure it he won't lose the bills. He'll only lose anything the, that you might actually. Yeah, that's see. right. <laughs> like, yeah, let those fly. Okay, so now I'm gonna ask. Like, um, so you kind of do a lot of everything. So you're yeah, into trail development. Now. You're into a junior program. Um, what else do you do? Okay, you got your your umbrella. You got facilities. Yeah. So, and what are all the organizations in in Saskatchewan that you're affiliated with? You have to share. We're gonna yeah, provide so, links to all of them too, so you can go find Craig. <laughs> so, uh, so I serve on a couple of committees with the Saskatoon uh, Cycling Association or the Saskatchewan Cycling Association. Okay. Sorry, our provincial governing body. Uh, so yeah. I'm on the development committee and I'm on the high performance committee uh, with that organization there. Um, and really, with both of those, they do kind of match a little bit because, uh, from a provincial strategy perspective, a lot of programs. So you, you have your, and we discussed this in our coaching course too, Sylvie, where a lot of programs get developed based off of like, what's your goal? What's your goal at the very top? What do you want to develop? And then from there, what your end goal is, you want to create your steps back down to all the way from how does someone get into cycling and then progress up to uh, this top tier. So it's, it's nice to be able to kind of see this from uh, from the full perspective there and to be able to provide uh, some input with that. Uh, the, the funny part is in each group, sometimes there's discussions of, oh yeah, I think this needs to be shifted back to the development committee or this needs to be shifted to the high performance committee and completely realizing that to a certain extent, I'm re-volunteering myself with that kind of recommendation. <laughs> Um, but nevertheless, getting starting to get that separation and get that framework uh, completed for uh, for how to um, for for how to how to create this this set of steps for the sport, I think is very important. Mm -hmm. um, and then more locally in Saskatoon, I serve on uh, a couple of different boards, mostly on the uh, the trail advocacy side, so on the facility side, um, our uh, our Saskatoon Trail Alliance uh, here in Saskatoon, which is working on promoting and getting uh, mountain bike trails recognized uh, right here in the city. Uh, and then of course, I'm very strongly affiliated with River Ridge Trails uh, in Langham there, uh, so. So do you have, um, here's an, off, uh, an extra question. Do you have um, programs? You said, you just mentioned programs. So do you have programs going through high schools or how do you bring, get people on the trails, like new kids or new adults? So the interesting part with the trails here in Saskatoon is they've been known about for a very long time. They're all legacy trails that have existed uh, probably at least 10 to 20 years. So wow. people know about them. They're just not sanctioned. They're not, 
reliably maintained uh, and they're they're not they're not used by any organized sport uh, organization so one of the things I find amazing with cycling mo most sports have a, a recreational activity component to them and they have an organized sport component to them cycling has a third which is transportation too so between transportation and the recreational activity uh, cycling I think is is very strong in Saskatoon uh, there's a there's a good group of commuting cyclists uh, there's there's lots of people that are out riding on whether it's the bike paths or some of the single track trails and that throughout the city it's really in that organized sport side of things that uh, we we need to figure out how to bridge people from that rec activity to the organized sport um, and the trails in Saskatoon especially they're they're not aligned and set up in a way that you're going to be hosting major events or anything significant from an event perspective without a material amount of investment into realignments and that. Uh, but they're still usable from a coaching from a recreation into a coaching perspective, and then potentially bring people to other facilities for the actual events. So, well, yeah, no, I'm they can imagine they must be pretty spread out now. Yeah. If I was in Saskatoon, which is where you are, and I'm looking to get started in the spring, where or any time, where would I start? Like, because there's a lot of organizations, like if you were to give someone advice, where would I start? Like, you know, like joining someone like joining an organization. So, like with a lot of, uh, like with a lot of uh, areas for cycling, um, your your local bike shop can certainly be a good hub for information on where to start. From there, you can find um, different clubs. We we have mostly a pretty full spectrum of different clubs uh, in town here that service. Uh, different demographics and different disciplines of the sport there. Um, the, so it really depends on uh, what your age is, what you're looking for, what kind of discipline and that. So, um, and, then, uh, and then from there, if you want to progress up through, we have some programs uh, at the provincial level for people who want to progress up through the, the high performance racing and that. But we certainly do have some gaps in there, and some of those jumps are the issue uh, as it currently stands. So, yeah. So, so there are like, like you're saying, there's a lot of recreational groups and clubs, and then you got the high performance. And I think that's kind of, you know, the issue everywhere, right? You're kind of missing that mid-level range, say, like for, for. Um, the younger well the juniors like teenagers right is that the gap you're talking about like that kind of um that that can certainly be a gap but the gap is almost even it, it's i think teenagers are the ones that get caught out the most by it um but uh but even even for anyone else uh we we start off our clubs will do some some general like group riding and that but then for, for your step into racing, 
it's all under a provincial series for the most part. Okay. And psychologically, uh, to tell someone who's maybe joined a bike club for the first time uh, this past year that, hey, why don't you come out and try a Saskatchewan Cup cycling race? Well, that's a psychological barrier to entry to think, oh, my first race, I'm going to go out and race at the provincial level. Yeah, I can see Um, that. Even though there's novice categories and sport categories in that, I don't think people hear that. I I I didn't hear that either. Yeah. So that there's, there's, so that's where on the event side of things, um, and that's where the short track series that I that I run comes in, is that mm-hmm. it's really trying to get this, okay, here's our local event. Here's what we c- would consider our rec league or our house league type of mm-hmm. event, that it's easy to access. It's regular on a weekly basis. Um, and it's pretty open. You don't have to be worried about some almost pro level racer coming and running you over from the back or something. It's how to get people out. And then from there, the next step that I don't know how exactly how to develop it or exactly what it looks like yet, but I know that it needs to happen is we got to figure out this tier two or maybe even a tier three level race and then a tier two Mm -hmm. before then you get to your provincial level, which should be considered a tier one. And allow right. that progression and those steps for people. And with mountain biking, it's a little bit easier to figure out what that, uh, like what those initial steps look like. It's a bit more difficult at times for road, but all of the disciplines to a certain extent need to follow that same track there. And if you look at sports like soccer or hockey, that is the track that they've developed, whether consciously or unconsciously. But uh, that's the track that they have. And I think that participants are able to easily see and wrap their head around, here's how I start in the sport and here's how I progress as far as I care to progress through it. That is really a good point. And I'm just trying to think of Ottawa, you know, because we've just, uh, there's just very few events um whether it's regional out sorry very few i would say if you want to call it races there's lots of events like grand fondos and things like that because i find that um almost that competitiveness is taken a like a step back and nobody wants to race but they will go out and be competitive at a grand fondo do you know what i mean like so it's kind of taken like the they don't feel it. The word race. Yeah, and the, and the competitiveness. The word race is a barrier to entry. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but I a lot of people. I compare it to a marathon. Yeah, yeah. You know, because a lot of people are like, I don't want to be competitive. Will go to a marathon. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they don't want to be competitive, but boy, will they go out there and hammer it out to the bitter end. Um, yeah. And, really care about how what your time was and make sure the yep. distance perfect you know what i mean and i just find yep. that i'm like mm, you know i i don't know and like you said it's like that psychological thing uh where they don't like 
the 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 word race has so many things attached to it that they don't want to be a part of <laughs> you know like yep. you know like the pre the training for it the you know it's just uh and i could see that because a lot of people step back but there are a lot of people who are competitive in events yeah like a lot um the the whistler that? grand fondo I found used to be the best example of yeah. uh, the psychological uh, difference between a Grand Fondo and a race there because people, thousands go out to that. And it's like, oh, but it's not a race. At, <laughs> at one point, at least, I don't know if this is still current or not, but at one point, there was a $10,000 prize in Whistler for the first person that made it to Whistler. But it's not a race. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, oh, yeah, right. It's not a race. <laughs> yeah. So, I, you know, it was like tricking everybody to attend an yeah. event, but, you know, give out big prize money for the top five or whatever. And uh, yeah, yeah it's... So we do got to psychologically get this changed in cycling where mm -hmm. um, it can be a race against yourself. Same yeah. as what a marathon is, same as a 10K on the running side, same as a triathlon. It's funny, people don't view a triathlon as a race because it's a triathlon. But if you say a road race, even though it's just one element of what a triathlon is, it's like, oh no, I don't race. So we, we got to figure out a way to, to change the psychology around the organized sports side of it. I have to think about this good and hard, a little brainstorming session across Canada again yeah I like yeah it, it was good bringing in um, all the coaches and I attended a meeting the other day with uh, race officials or commissioners across Canada and they were talking about you know it's the first time this has ever happened which is bizarre to me like I mean if you want to make changes this is where you start like from you know, race organizers, race officials, you know, like, um, yep. and it's funny how a pandemic has kind of brought the, brought us together, right? Like, how can we be better? What can we do? You know, Quebec was able to get a, I wouldn't say like, you know, events from July on organized COVID friendly. And, um, and so everybody's kind of going to be looking at, you know, what they do, the policy, like everything. Um, because it really did change the dynamic, I guess, of how you uh, set up an, an event or a race. And, but it was really interesting. And so there's still, there's hope, lots of hope for, yeah. <laughs> for yeah. next summer, even whatever, whatever happens um, from now till then. So. And we'll see procedures and protocols that are, were brainstormed this year uh, mm -hmm. stick around into the long term as well. Um, it's it sort of, I think it's more just the pace of change that COVID has driven because things progress over time as it is. Um, a, a mountain bike race course from 98 would not even pass as uh, anywhere close to an acceptable race course in 2019 or 2020. So things progress as, as it is anyway. It's just the rate of change that has been affected here. And what's the saying? Necessity is the mother of all invention. So yeah. 
Well, I'm kind of glad, you know, because this has put a fire under a lot of people's butts to make change yeah. quickly. I mean, not just in sport, but in a lot of different things. Um, and I'm kind of excited about it, um, yep. knowing that, you know, we're really trying to move forward to to make things happen. And, um, you know, we have to, let's just yep. say. So... And cycling right. has been handed a gift with this in that uh, just generally our, our culture uh, decided this year to demand cycling. Uh, like uh, by, by May, if you were in the market for a bike under $1,000, good luck. Uh, yeah. Even inventory was lean underneath that $2,000 mark. Uh, so now the challenge from sport or challenge to sport organizations is there's there's all this equipment, all these people out there you, doing this activity, likely at the recreational level or recreational activity level. So now how do we bridge them into the organized sport and maintain that going forward? So totally, I'm totally with you. Like Ottawa just exploded, and you know I'll. Because I'm in, you know, I have a women's cycling club. It's just like, how do you get all the new cyclists into clubs? And then, like you say, slowly migrate them towards events. Because a lot of these people come from, you know, competitive events that maybe weren't um, able to um, run. Or they're just like so brand new to cycling. Um, that, you know, you can kind of almost mold them. Yep. <laughs> and I think the focus is create an inclusive environment. Uh, and too, too often, and I've seen it myself, there's certain clubs or certain events, uh, the, any, any elite or open men's field in any prod in any province is probably the worst example of it where, uh, if, if you're not one of them, if you haven't been racing for 10 years already, then it, they're, they're really critical and really hard on anyone to accept anyone new. And I understand why, because there's an element of danger riding on the road, riding in a tight pack, but we have to figure out how to be inclusive and how to get these new riders in, make them feel welcome, make them feel uh, like they belong. So... Well, and I also feel that, um, you know, giving them the tools to get them up to par, like the clinics, like setting them up, you know, setting yep. up the clinics, get them through. And so, you know, that everybody's kind of like on the same page, like, you know, learn to group ride clinics or learn to ride or learn to race or whatever um, is kind of like an essential thing to do. Um in order to to uh, join a club or ride with a club, we, that's certainly how we've set it up, so that we know that everybody yep. is is uh, at least knows the terminology and kind of knows what to do if they were able to facilitate it. Because <laughs> you know, like not everybody's going to draft behind each other right away. That's kind of like you know, you have to build up the comfort to that, but at least they know what that means. Um, and it makes safety so much easier like in yeah. the long run so but yeah. um so do you have any other like where can we find you 
And um, is there anything coming up in the new year that you can share with us before we end the call? Yeah, so, uh, so um, social media is the best place to sort of find me and find information there. Um, I need to get the get my website revamped uh, over this uh, this winter there. So got to come up with a plan on how to do that. Uh, web development is not one of my strong suits. I might have a, so. a plan for you. Oh, okay. Referral. <laughs> okay. I'm in the same um, boat, but, actually. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But social media, I have figured out how to update that on a regular basis there. Uh, obviously, over the winter, a little less active on social media and whatnot. But, uh, but through, uh, through the summertime, definitely more active with what's going on. Um, into next year, uh, we'll certainly be, uh, be booking in another short track series for people here in Saskatoon. Uh, we don't know what that's going to look like just yet because of uh, COVID restrictions and that, uh, but uh, but definitely going to be looking at that. And based off of whatever restrictions are in place, we'll probably look at doing some other uh, really focused on regional events for now in this area to try to get those new riders out. Um, and especially given that we're we're limited on what we can do for uh, provincial level events, and I think that's going to extend into at least the first half of next season. So uh, the focus being on regional events, I think supports a whole bunch of initiatives with this uh, and then continued development of the, uh, the facility at River Ridge Trails. Uh, that's that's gonna be the single biggest project uh, through next right. year. And uh, hopefully the, the, plan, the plan out there, we have a great group overseeing it and the, uh, the plan out there is to, to really create a, a high quality uh, riding facility out there that can help to uh, develop uh, develop the sport and really create some excitement about the sport in the area. So that's mountain biking, right? Yeah, that's primarily mountain biking. Uh, we will have some cyclocross there. We've already held a cyclocross oh, race out cool. there too. We didn't so cyclocross. Um, no, that's right. We forgot about that. Yeah, <laughs> gravel, cyclocross. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, the cyclocross is another huge, huge uh, um, cycling yeah. sport. Yeah. yeah, and we have a very good community for cyclocross here in Saskatoon too. So, because I know that that is a fun sport for uh, the like all family members, young, younger, youngest. Like I don't know. I yep. guess when you start six, they can start at six. How? What's your youngest uh, uh, little racer? Eight. So for cyclocross, uh, they don't really start cyclocross around here until 10, 12 years old. Um, okay. But my short track program there, that one is actually uh, designed even better for the younger rider there because below 10, we put them on a, a shorter course that uh, is easier in that, but we get the, get the atmosphere. And that one, I'll accept riders all the way down to three years old. Oh, Four. super cool. Oh, so you have a good progress pro, uh, progression for kids. That's awesome. Yeah. And especially in the same location. Um, yeah. So, and with that one, there's a, it was interesting. We had last year, we had a, uh, uh, 
kind of a theory I had got confirmed, but uh, there was a there was a kid who the parents signed them up for signed the kid up for short track, and they had been trying for two years to get this kid to transition from a tricycle onto a Strider bike, and the kid just would not get on the Strider bike. Didn't want it. Not interested. They brought him up to the first the first one that they could make it to. He's sitting there on the tricycle uh, as we go through the little, like, here's what we're doing now. And then, all right, everyone, go. Everyone takes off on their bike, starts riding these obstacles uh, through the little skills course or skills area that, uh, that I had set up. This kid looks around, looks at his parents and says, get me the Strider bike. Uh, and by two weeks later, he's going up to the top of this little berm in the park and he's pointing downhill, he's lifting his feet up and coasting the whole way down this berm, like half out of control. But nevertheless, still like progressed from zero to I got the Strider bike in under two weeks. All you have to do is look around. You put him with a bunch of other kids, it's like, I want what they have, give it to me. <laughs> it's like, what are you Pure doing all this works. time? <laughs> oh, it totally works. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah. I can't wait till so, I put my son back in mountain bike camp next summer because he, he was just like, he went there, he rented a good bike and then he comes back to the house and I got the crappy bike, right? He's like, this isn't, I'm just like, oh my God. Okay. I, yeah. So I, I need to pick it up, get something decent because he's just like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, I got it. But the thing is that, you know, you can see the potential there. And I love that. Yeah. Well, I've loved chatting. This has been amazing. Um, there's so I'm so excited to hear that there like all this potential out in Saskatoon or Sa yeah, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Yeah. And uh, so if anybody's out there, reach out to Craig. All his information is going to be in the description where you can find him, the organizations you can access. And um, please, if you have questions, fire them off to him. You can reach out to me and I can direct you to him. Um, and uh, this has been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for your time. And um, with that, we'll be probably checking in in two years to see what's going on. I like this two year check in. <laughs> There we go. <laughs> you know, lots of things can happen across the prairies between now and then and uh you're yep. definitely gonna want to know about it so don't forget to subscribe to the podcast like and share and provide comments and feedback and uh we'll see you again thanks a lot bye thanks so thank you so much for spending this time with me on the secrets from the saddle podcast learning more about sighting people, places, and things that make cycling such an exciting sport. I am so glad you stopped by today. Please leave me a review if you feel so moved to do so. I would love to hear your feedback. And if you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it, I would be forever grateful. Also, if you could please leave me a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving me an honest thought and an honest comment telling me what you think and most importantly, tell me what you'd like to hear more of. It would really help me to bring more great and